welcome you inside another edition of the Hoopball Sacramento Kings podcast. Sam Kamanti here with you alongside, as always, the incomparable, the all-knowing Jill Adge. And joining us on this Friday edition is a good friend of mine. He's the Sac Republic MC main media man. He's uh, worked for the Sacramento Kings, MC'd some games, which is, uh, on a quick aside, become like a tradition for gentlemen from Redding, California, to MC for the Sacramento Kings. Currently, Scott Freshour has been doing it for a very long time. He was a Foothill graduate in Redding, California, and our guest used to live in Redding. That's how I met him. Uh, and he's a man with a lot of opinions and a great voice, and uh, he's in a very echoey room. Where I'm excited. You always find some good spots to hunker down, dude, and, and join us. So without further ado, we have Connor Sutton with us today. Hi, Connor. Thank, thank you for that introduction. Uh I would have to say I went back and listened to the last time I was on with when we did the the fan forum, uh, and I thought my mic sounded good. So I don't know what what's going on on your guys's. And no, I'm just kidding. It must be me. It's, I'm in a different room as last time. But no, you excited, are excited to be back on with you guys. Uh, love the podcast and uh, really enjoy listening a couple times, three times a week. Yeah, well, you're you're one of our dedicated fans, and I meant to shout out your podcast. That's what I forgot to say. I got distracted by the the blank room that you're in again. Uh, Connor has a podcast for the Sac Republic. It's called The Breakaway. Uh, anything else you want to, I mean, I don't know. What yeah, time yeah, what for sure. Yeah. We got one coming out today. Uh, I, we actually just announced today, a lot of our roster changes, uh, heading into the off season guys who aren't coming back. Um, so a lot of big decisions that happened. Uh, and I sat down with our president and GM Todd Dunham to talk about some of those changes, um, talk about, uh, his decision to bring back head coach, Mark Briggs, um, and a lot of other stuff, what kind of guys are looking for heading into the off season. So a lot of good stuff. So yeah, check that out on the breakaway. Absolutely. And, uh, I, I, there's really no one. If you're a Sac Republic fan and you want to hear what's going on with the Sac Republic, Connor Sutton is your your main voice yep. and insider. He's your James Ham. So definitely follow Connor on on Twitter, on Instagram, whatever it is, whatever out. You're a tweeter, right? You, you, you tweet. Yeah, you know, I I was gonna say Jill is like the best person to follow on on Twitter during Kings games oh, for sure. And it's like not even close. But um, <laughs> I mean, sorry to other people out here, but um, slamming me too for no reason. I, <laughs> <laughs> no, I just mean that uh, I need to probably be live tweeting a little more on the Kings games. I just like chime in. I'm just I'm so behind. I'm like the live streamer. I'm like two minutes behind, you know, so like yeah. by the time I tweet yeah. out, it's like way too late. You're so. okay. Yeah. Well, we're going to cover a lot uh, today um, on this episode. We uh, I'm just like I'm sad because I don't want to talk about the last Kings game, but that's what we're going to do first is I think talk when you could just throw it in the trash and, you know, move on. <laughs> You want to do that, Jill? I'm I mean, that's what I, they did. Yeah. <laughs> they watched tape and probably said, "You can't keep thinking about this." Like, yeah, yeah. there are. One of us has like an echo. I don't know if that's me. I might be echoing. There we go. It went away. Okay. Cool. Um, but yeah, we're all losing our they, minds. I would assume they watched uh, tape and then it was, if you're really stacking days, like throw it away because you can't come in thinking about your last three losses. Like you gotta. That's true. But yeah. We are going to. I don't know. I mean, people might want to hear about it, but it's depressing. So. <laughs> I, I will, I will ask uh, Connor what his takeaways were. The King, so the Kings lost. If you hadn't been paying attention for some reason, uh, aren't as haven't joined us and being as upset as we are. Now, the Kings are five and seven. They've lost three straight games. Um, they lost 136 to 117 to the Spurs. It seemed as though the Spurs could never miss a shot whenever the Kings started to put together a little bit of a rally. Some dude named Lonnie Walker would hit a three. Or DeJounte Murray, who's very good, would make a shot as he dives into the lane. He's, you know, they're the Spurs, De'Aaron Fox. That's who DeJounte Murray is. 
no one showed up except for De'Aaron Fox, ironically. He finally came out and broke out of his slump. 37 points, 6 rebounds, 2 assists. But yeah, it's a trash game is what it was. So Connor, tell us about the trash. What did you think of it? <laughs> I don't know how to answer that. All right, couple, I have a couple of thoughts. Yes, please. Uh, Harrison Barnes has been our leading scorer throughout the season, uh, and he only took 8 shots in 31 minutes. I feel like as a guy, I'm, I, I'm not saying he's our number one option, but he has been the most consistent offensive player so far this year um, throughout game to game. And I just think eight shots is too few for him. Um, I know we were cold from beyond the arc and the Spurs hit what 18 threes in this game. So yeah. there's a little bit there. Um, the other thing is, and I actually tweeted this like defensively, the rotations were just really bad. Um, and I think that's a couple of reasons. Like Greg Popovich knows that the Kings after a, a one or two rotations, like they get lost especially on team defense. So um, they tried to exploit that a little bit. And I thought that was one of the issues. Um, and then the effort, I mean, the effort kind of goes hand in hand with team defense and rotations, but it, I have to say it is demoralizing, right? I would imagine when you rotate correctly, when that happened a couple of times and then they hit a three anyway, and it doesn't matter. And so I think that they started to break down after that. Yeah. The, the, you said that this, the the stat the Spurs were eighteen of thirty two. That's fifty six percent. You're gonna win most of the games in the NBA if you shoot fifty six percent from three, and they shot like fifty four percent from the field in general. The Kings on the other end, ten of thirty six on three, and then Fox had thirty seven. Their second leading scorer had thirteen. Two people had thirteen. Chemezi Metu, who should be starting at power forward, and Davion Mitchell. The problem with our depth right now is like, I think at one point he was even playing the three. Like, I mean, this is our issue with like, you can say, oh, this team has depth, but you don't have depth at every position. And when you have two key guys that are out on injuries, it the depth issue based on positions is glaring. Like we all said that going into the season, you have what, five or six bigs sitting on the bench three, you know, prior to the last couple of games that were not getting any kind of minutes. Now they're being kind of thrown in there and almost being put out of position. Like if you're going to play Metu at the four or if you're going to go small ball and maybe play him at the five sometimes, totally get it. Um, but when he's out there playing the three, like, I mean, that's, I mean, that's ridiculous. That's. Yeah. I it's mean, the current, you're current asking state. a lot of a lot of guys. And this was kind of my thing too, is, we knew the injuries coming in and they still assigned Woodard back. So again, like you, again, you can say you have depth, but my thing with Damien, you know, over the summer, and then I was saying it with you to start this too, is normal teams. Yes. You don't necessarily rely on like your 12 to 15. Like, you know, I mean, it's a luxury when you're not having to, to rely on that. The Kings have never been that, that, you know, have have always had that issue. Um, and you were hoping they weren't going to have that issue this year, and they shouldn't unless you have COVID or injury. Like, right? I mean, that's where you're seeing the Sixers and the Bucks have had to use all 15 guys. Like, I mean, there's only um, – the Bucks have one player, Brooke Lopez, who hasn't played in almost every game. That's because he literally only played the first game. I mean, one through 15, you're having to throw guys out there. Yes, that's not the norm, but uh, when you go out for 10 days for COVID or if you have injuries where you're missing three games, you're going to need everybody on your bench. And if everybody on your bench is not ready to play, that's an issue, especially if you're trying to win now, which is what we're being told. So to me, like, 
I don't even want to say like waste a, a roster spot, but it's like, you're telling me there's no talent out there that couldn't be ready. Like right now we're having to throw Metu at the three because we're not bringing King up and we're taking, you know, Woodard back to Stockton. Like he was active for a couple games, but then they said he was out because of injury. So is he rehabbing? Like what's, we still have no clarification there, but again, like, the Kings never share He's injury a, diagnoses. That's no, what they right. do. Right. And so we don't <laughs> know like what I understand you brought Ramsey, but you need length, like, and kudos to Ramsey for being ready. But your length issue is showing. And when you have six, eight guys in Stockton, like that's that's yeah. a problem to me. Again, we should not have to rely on those guys, but when you have multiple injuries, that's when you have to rely on them. Like there's no there's no way about it. I'm not calling for these guys to play when everyone's healthy, right? I mean, when when the team is there, you're going to play your normal rotation. My issue is when you have players out and you're still not using players yeah. that you have in correct positions. What do you think, Connor? Yeah, I mean, I think the most important position, well, maybe not the most important, but defensively is where I'm where I'm thinking at. Um, is that swingman spot, that 3-4 combo, because they can switch onto guards and at least can hang a little bit. Um, and as Jill's saying, not having depth at that spot, and when one guy goes down, like, they're screwed. Their second unit yeah. is going to get dismantled, and we know the NBA, that like, these coaches and players are smart. They're going to hunt guys that they know they can take off the dribble or they can um, post them up down low. Not posting up isn't really a thing, but go one-on-one -on -one and go at them, and they hunt, and that's what they do. And so I think that position specifically – um, is really important. And, you know, if you want to talk about, I know we're going to talk some Bagley stuff here in a little bit when you're saying, Hey, we don't want it. Like, is there something? And I have a whole bunch of lists of, of hey, I'm excited. possible landing spots, but I went way, I didn't went way too deep on it. So I apologize <laughs> in advance. Uh, but, uh, you know, trying to get somebody back who can maybe fill in in that spot specifically, um, yeah. who can be that maybe third wing or third power forward can play a little bit of both. I think that's huge, especially it's a two game season. Guys are going to have injuries. They're going to be, and it's, it's so important to have depth at that spot. Yeah. I, I've, I want to commend Jemias Ramsey for, and Metu actually for yeah. being ready coming in the game. Ramsey and Metu did not approach the game. Like they were guys that hadn't been playing. They came out and they shot Metu had a little buddy heel in him. He was just seeing three, taking three. And he was actually making them and then getting back on defense, like which are things that, you know, heel can sometimes forget to do. So I, I, I'm okay with seeing more Metu for sure. And Ramsey is a, is a pure score, very athletic player that's very young and needs development. In a game like that on uh, Wednesday, yeah, perfect time for him to go out there and give some run. I'm glad that Walton did that. He didn't really have a choice because they were short on people. But I hope we see more Jemias Ramsey. It seems like they don't care for Robert Woodard at all. They have not. They didn't give him very much run in summer league, and they haven't given him much run in the preseason. They didn't in the preseason or this season. I don't know what that's about. I don't know if they've decided Robert Woodard's not someone they care about anymore. It's weird because he was well, a talented sending him down college. is clear development. Like, and he had been injured for so much. Like of how last raw year. is he? You know, and, I didn't know he was that raw. Well, well, but the thing is, he missed like a whole year of development. He had the bubble to develop, but then when he left the bubble, he was hurt. So the only time those guys were getting minutes last year is when the Kings were getting killed. Like, we're not a team that goes out and blows people out, and so you can put in those guys for a quarter and have them get run. And so where was the development? I mean, you're yeah. developing. There was no practice. There was nothing. So, again, I understand his setbacks. 
but it's also hard to watch other people in those drafts that are out there ready to play. Like they didn't get that either. You know what I mean? Like that have gone out and produced. And then we're told he's injured again. I don't know if that's still the case, but he was out again the last, or at least they had him active, but he was out with, I don't know if it was hamstring. Like there was some sort of muscle and then they were going on the road trip and assigned him back. So I guess we'll find out this weekend if he's getting run in Stockton, but again, you need ready bodies and he's your third backup. Like, right. He's your backup to your kind of three, four, like that's what they drafted him as. And so, um, I mean, I don't like you even, and heaven forbid the Kings have more injuries and then you really have no depth there. Like, you know what I mean? Like you're able to, to have, um, it's awesome that you have Barnes and Harkless and Metu that are playing multiple positions, but again, you're still putting guys in bad positions by forcing them, you know, maybe more minutes in one area where they should be in, in another at the Connor. end of the day, yes, they're pros and they should figure it out, but this is the King. So it's, you know, I wouldn't hold your breath. <laughs> I gotta, I, yeah, no. Uh, I have to ask now this, Connor. If you're choosing between Matthew Ramsey or uh, King, I'm not even gonna put Woodard in the equation. What, which one of those three guys would you like to be seen on the court right now? That they're shorts and bodies. I just, I just don't know. Um, <laughs> I think, I think length. I think Ramsey's a little too small to be defending some of those, some of those bigger wings. I, I would say, I don't know though. I mean, because then he adds the the shooting capabilities offensively, so um, it spaces the floor a little bit. You know, I don't know. Uh, can I can I pick answer D of maybe try and go find somebody else? Yes, you uh, can. Because that's I think the that's what Joe wants to answer. Yeah, I mean that that's what I think is is should be the plan. Like they have a lot. They have a log jam. I wouldn't say log jam. They have a lot of players who can play at guard spot. Um, you know, Buddy Heel. I know that's a different conversation. But if they do try to move Buddy this season, it seems like either going after a star, taking a swing. Um, that's a possibility if they use Bagley's uh, uh, deal that's up at the end of the year um, as a uh, contract expiring, but I don't know. We'll see, but I, I just, right now they don't have an answer there. And I think that's going to continue to be a glaring, glaring issue. And I know Lewis had a, like his first two really good games in, in Stockton and, but let's just kind of let that simmer. If he continues to keep doing that, Give him run. Like yeah, to me, I mean, why, why would you not? He's clearly totally. showing that he's ready to move. I mean, ready to move up, whether that means he gets, you know, the minutes or, but to me, these are kind of the opportunities when they change the rule to allow you to have 50 games, right. Instead of you spending days with the team. So to me, these were the perfect opportunities yeah. to kind of bring him up in and, you know, your shot. And then you can bring it back down when these bodies come back. Um, they clearly don't feel that way. And maybe they feel like they still want to keep developing him down there, knowing that they're eventually going to bring him up. And that's understandable too. But again, like we don't know, right? Like we're, we're kind of going in blind with all this, but um, to me, the, the nice thing I'm seeing with him down there is he's showing the offense and defense, which is, was always his thing, even coming out of college. Right. And then when he was with Detroit in their G league. And then when he was with the Knicks in the bubble last year, he was one of the top, you know, ones to watch because he was playing both ends of the floor and hitting the three. So um, he also was very young. I think he's like 22. So it's not like we have to throw him, you know, right out there. We can keep developing. But my thing is he's on the court, like he's developing, he's working. That's what we want to see. It's like unfortunately for the Wooders where we're not even seeing them on the court and we're not seeing development. Like that's where 
I mean, when it comes yeah. to last roster spots for me on a win now team, that's bad. Like you, you need talent. And then when you're one through 10 aren't performing, there's no one on the bench that's going to scare them saying, Oh man, you know, I could really lose this spot. Like, I mean, do you know what I mean? Like there's no, there's no competition. Yeah. I, uh, I will say that. And then I, I do, I want to give Connor the floor for a couple minutes to, to catch us up on how he's feeling about the Kings. But currently with how this team is constructed, I think it's foolish to try and say that Lewis King and or Chemezi Metu should not be playing over guys like Mo Harkless and Tristan Thompson. That's just my personal belief. I understand those guys have been there in the league. If we're talking about trying to get the most out of someone on both ends, Tristan Thompson and Mo Harkless are not going to be those guys. I'd rather roll the know, dice on the upside who, of what, what Luke King and Chemezi Metu. minus is on the court and off the court? I yeah, man, don't throw numbers at me, Jill. That's cheating. What is his plus minus? He's 64th percentile in the league at a plus five. He's that's good, he's, right? Yes. <laughs> you want to be orange, not blue. You want to be like in the upper. I mean, he's on, he's 64% um, at a, at a plus five. He's so boring and though, man. Mitchell, Mitchell 63 at a plus four. Right. And Warren, this is right. Fox has not been playing well. What do you think he is? 35, 35th percentile at a minus five when he's on and off. So again, like I know it's not pretty and yes, you can interchange lineups and all that stuff, but I'm just saying his on and off the court, like if you're looking at numbers, it's working. <laughs> yeah. They're gonna, so you might funny, have to but ex- when you have injury, when you have injuries, it's even more glaring. Yes. Like I think th- those numbers have gone down when, when these injuries happen, but I'm sorry to, I, I'm, I'm all for mixing up the starting lineup, but for kicking Harkless out of the rotation completely, I don't agree with that. I agree. I also just want to make sure that uh, <laughs> we might have to wait until after uh, this episode to, to, to explain to Sam what a plus minus was. Cause I heard you a couple episodes being like, I don't even know what a plus minus is. I have, it's like the, um, in the NFL, there's like the uh, QBR. Well, this quarterback is rate. It's like a stat that I'm like, yeah. This, oh, is like a stat okay. that, this isn't, this isn't like the per game plus I minus. See. This is if a player's on or off the court. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. When he's on the court, the team is, yeah, better. No, but and he you, ranks 64th percentile in the league in that. When and as a second unit, that's a second unit type play. That's a big deal. Yeah, hundred percent. Which is why we loved him last year off the second right. unit. Yes, mm-hmm. I'm like I'm gonna die. And on why this we, why you were saying we need to get another hill. player like that where he's not necessarily being forced to do more than what right. you're asking right. you'd normally ask of him. Right. All yeah. right. So here's a, here we go, Connor. Uh, don't throw numbers at me. Just give me like five minutes without numbers, okay? <laughs> My brains can only handle so much. Um, no, you came in uh, before the season with our little guest galore episode, our roundtable with Christina Warner and John Bull and John Holko and a great group and gave your prediction as to where the Kings you thought were headed. You said a play-in. Uh, I think you said ninth. And then you, I think you said 42 wins. For, what did you say? 38 wins. Oh, you were the low ball. That's right. You were the pessimist of the group. I feel great about it, to be honest. Which now is what to say. <laughs> now you feel really good about that prediction. So I want to give you a couple minutes here, Connor, to update us on how you're feeling about the Kings as a whole, like how panicked you might be of this three-game losing streak if you're getting flashbacks to last year, and then if you're still thinking 38 in the play and seems reasonable. Go ahead. All right, so I think 38, uh, well, right now it's pretty, I don't know exactly know what percentages. It's pretty close as to where they've started off. Like they're on track for around that number. Um, but taking that aside, panic rating, very low. I know they're on a three-game slide. I get all that. Um, I know they talk about stacking days. Well, sometimes loses, losses also stack up. So this is a huge opportunity against the Thunder to really like 
reset, and this is a game they absolutely should win. I literally looked at the Thunder roster, and I, after six guys, seven guys, like I had to like double check. Like that's how, like short there. I mean, I knew some of the rookies and things just because of like going through draft guides and things. But like, I'm shocked. As far as like De'Aaron Fox, I know there's been a panic button kind of on social about. I, I do not panic at all about De'Aaron Fox. So he added muscle this this summer, and for a guy who is so quick and relies on quickness and speed. Sometimes it takes a long time to kind of adjust to that weight addition. It makes you a little slower in the foot speed initially. And I think he's going to figure that out quickly. I had someone I played with uh, who had, who put on like 15 pounds. And I know this is way different, but um, it took that person a while to kind of adjust to that body type. And I think we see that kind of various um, additions around the league. So I'm not worried about that. Where I am worried about Fox and the Kings in general is De'Aaron Fox is so good in the open floor. We know that he's so fast. Fourth quarter execution and half court offense. If you look at the advanced statistics, which I know Jill loves that kind of stuff, that's where I get worried because guess what? In fourth quarters, the game slows down. It just does. You have to beat teams in the half court, especially offensively. And I worry that when his three-point shot isn't falling, which I know three-point numbers are down across the league this year, um, his as well as, as many others, um, when it's not falling, it really closes down what he is able to do because teams will start to sag off him a little bit and make him uh, try and shoot it. So I think that's the big issue for me. However, um, Halliburton out for two games. The the I know betting odds are whatever it is. It is what it is. But he was out for that San Antonio Spurs game. The line was five. They announced he was out and it changed to four. So, And I do think betting lines matter. Like I really do as yeah. far as perception of where teams are at. Um, and they thought how they, they thought the Kings could, should win that game. And I mean, yes, that's why uh, the NBA is a wild, wild league where team upsets happen like often because sometimes teams just had off nights and they kind of punt in the third quarter and say, Hey, they're shooting. Well, let's plan for the next game. And I don't like that, but I, I just think um, the most interesting thing that is, I think, I think the Kings are have a move or two to make to really get to their best than best selves. I, Jill and I, we talked about it just now about maybe finding another swing man, that can help with Harkless and and Harrison Barnes. Um, what are they going to do with Buddy Heald? That's a big question mark. Bagley's a whole other story. I know we're going to get to that. Like I said, panic rating low. I think still think they're in a good spot, but they have to beat the teams like the Thunder. They have to beat the teams like the Spurs. They aren't a consistent team. It's been an issue for, I don't know, forever, it seems like. Uh, so I think if they can figure out a way to be consistent, they can learn how to close games and um, execute offensively down the stretch in fourth quarters. I'll feel much better about them, but we haven't quite seen that yet. Yeah, the, uh, that's very fair. I mean, we're what, 10, 11, 12 games, 12 games, games in. in. I mean, we're not even to the, Feels first, like an eternity. the first quarter of the season. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 70 games left. Yeah, uh, with with between the first and the sixth hardest schedule, right? Like, so, I mean, we just have to keep keeping it close. Yep. <laughs> the half-court offense, Connor, something I'm going to pick out of what you said. Uh I remember when Walton got hired, one of the things that Vlade had told him and made clear that he wanted to get better at, which is he was hoping Luke could do, is was the half-court offense. And Luke, you know, when they started 0-5 that year, he said a big reason was we we're slowing things down, trying to teach these guys to play better defense, and then also to understand that you can't just run and gun the whole time. To your point, in the fourth quarter, it's hard to keep that up, and you wear yourself out. So the team with Luke Walton was supposed to learn, unlike they did under Dave Yeager so much, to succeed a little bit more in half-court sets. It, it's like they have no idea what a half-court set is under Luke Walton. At least that's how it's been looking. Is that I, Luke or is that Alvin Gentry, though? 
they, Isn't that, Gentry a big there's part a good follow-up question but that's the that's where i have the question is that we're all look like an alvin gentry offense right like right. that's no, where doesn't. that's why it doesn't make i'm totally confused in it or is it these players just are not capable of playing the offense that yeah, that like he requires. Like how I'm leaning. Mean, we don't we don't have a lot of cutters. Like our guys love to just go stand. Yes, like there's no move. Like there's point. no movement. It's very. It's Buddy. Like, Buddy's the only one that um, likes to move. But even then, like our transition, like offense is pretty non-existent too. I mean, Fox, where he was, um, transition um, points per possession. He was um, over. He was one point one seven last year at a B percentage um, percentile for the rest of the league. Right now, he's at one point oh two, fifteenth percentile in the league at an F score. Like so, I mean, you went from seventy seventh percentile to fifteenth percentile. Like that's so. Like you're not even getting the easy buckets that you're. That was your bread and butter before. Yeah. Um, I mean that's it's. What do you think is it is it's absolutely infuriating. So that's why I was going to ask you, Connor. Do, is there like a solution to that? I don't know. Is it the players? Like, what do you think is the problem? I mean, if you're trying to guess, I am no, I am no head coach or offensive. You're leader. a basketball guy. I know you are. We've done, yeah, we've I done mean, our games together. <laughs> so uh, I think the big thing is like Jill said, is cutting off the ball. And it, this is a problem like NBA wide. It's not just the Kings. Like a lot of guys, when they don't have the ball, they stand and watch. Or they're told to stand in the corner to create yes. spacing. Those are yeah. the two things. What are the best offensive teams in the league, at least right now, right? It's the Golden State Warriors. And they are playing well, even though Steph hasn't been that great, other than that one great 50-point night, Dad. Like, they move so well off the ball. They're always moving. And defensively, like, if I'm defending somebody, the last thing I want to have to do is chase you around the court. That's the last thing I want to have to do. So I just think off-ball movement is so big and creating a little more of that um, I, I even think like they haven't been using a pick and roll. I think Jill, you tweeted about this. They haven't been using the pick and roll very much in certain specific like situations. Yeah. Um, well, especially like, with Halliburton out. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean that I understand cause the playmaking yeah. does drop a little bit when he's out, but, um, I just think the off ball movement is so big and some guys don't want to do it. They just want to stand up three point line because they, they're the fear of like creating, like losing the spacing inside. I understand, but there's gotta be solutions there because that'll get guys more engaged offensively too. Yeah, they took – I mean, Holmes had a short leash last game. And to me, I saw people were like, oh, well, he's not getting involved or whatever. They didn't even attempt to pass him the ball or to run a pick and roll. Like, I don't know what the guy's supposed to do. Like, I understand certain teams are going to try and take it away, but there was no creativity to try and get yourself out of it either. It was, oh, we're just going to yank him. Yeah, like, the Holmes not playing was was ang- just making Katie Christensen Hunter – mad like it was a point she kept making and i was i mean i was sitting there thinking the same thing i was like why is he not playing it's kind of bizarre i, I didn't think it was his fault that they were playing like shit uh but the, the thing we haven't said that i i meant to say it is very discouraging that the starting five two games in a row i get they haven't had halliburton but they've come out and looked like they weren't ready to go then the bench yeah they look like they were like they should have been starting you know like they they were ready to get out there and play defense, offense, pass the ball, push the ball. It's it's bizarre. It, bizarre is the word I'm going to keep using. Or gross, actually, if you want to quote Luke Walton. Uh, All right. Gross. I think, it's in, I think it's a little bit encouraging, though. Like, I, Okay, I spin zone. Here's why. Here's why. Yeah, I, I, I'm back on the zag. Uh, <laughs> here's why. It is uh, 
because sometimes you need that second unit to kind of pick up the first unit when they don't play well. That's going to happen. Like, I don't even think we've seen a complete game. You could say the Charlotte game, but like Darren Fox hasn't really got going other than this last game and nobody else was. So when you have a game where everybody gets going offensively, which maybe, maybe if they start cutting more Jill, that might happen. But um, I, I think that that's, it's an encouraging thing that the second unit has the ability to, when the Kings are down 10, 15 coming in, you know, the eight, four minutes to go in the first quarter or early second quarter, they can come and make a run. I think that's huge. I think that's important. And um, as we talk about like depth, those depth issues, if a second unit can do that, that to me, that means they're a successful second unit. Yeah. And, and I know you mentioned how Fox, you know, got going, but nobody else did. But if you're without Halliburton and you're without Terrence Davis, you need Buddy Hill to score more than six points in 31 minutes. Like that's, that's your other, you know, scoring threat. Like you're, no one else is going to come in there and, and no offense, blow anybody away. Like that's not necessarily their job. Um, and, and I know even Harrison Barnes had, um, uh, it was the first time it was like his season low and even shot attempts. Um, so it was just like very, yeah, you just weren't seeing involvement from, from other. And to me, you didn't even see adjustments like, right. And that's no. to me, that's on the coaching staff. Um, I know you can make rotation adjustments, but scheme wise, and I think like, it didn't look like you really adjusted much Um, and kudos to the Spurs. Like they played their best game by far of the season. And it sucks when that usually comes against us, but I mean, Uh, Hey, can I say one thing? I uh, am really wishing that that buddy healed Kuzma trade happened by the way. The wizards are like eight and three right now. And how great, I mean, I think Kuzma might be, would be like that perfect, spot we have a really about, good Jill. new coach yeah that was i was waiting was for Jill to say that he is but a yeah, very no, good coach their depth like completely yeah they took one yeah. guy and changed their their depth roles and they have everybody buying in right yeah. and they brought in a coach who again had people in the top 10 on offense and defense and montrez harrell's been n- just going nuts off the bench averaging yeah. like 15 and 10 i was gonna say because i just said his name and now it just is confusing Mattia Divots, our guest last week, who I try to never, when he says things about basketball, I just just usually nod my head. I'm like, sure, if that's what you think, I'm going to agree with you. He said a, a very good point, though, for real, um, how, you know, the starting unit, this is very rudimentary. It's just, you know, when he explained it to me, I was like, it's fair. The, the starting unit sets the pace, sets the tone for a game. And then the bench unit, their most important job, of course, is to keep you in the game at all costs. And what we're seeing right now is the bench do exactly that for the Kings? They are keeping them in this these games, but the starting unit is not setting the tone, is not doing anything well. Digging them so in a hole. It's yeah. exactly, it's weighing them, it's create this off-balance nature in which you're playing where it's like, now it's just like up to the bench, it seems, to, to well, help you get this game. it's as easy as looking at, 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 for most of the season, right, we'd been in every game because we weren't getting into these holes. Yes. And so your bench should not necessarily be spending all their time trying to dig you out of a hole. They you're looking at them to bring you up while the other stars are out, like or the keep opposing team stars. Yes. Or again, yes. Keep it, keep it there. Um, but when you go on these runs, all our runs were just to get us back to even, and then the other team's going to go on a run. Right. And so then you're right back down again. It's before we it's move just, to, t- yeah. Uh, we're gonna because we are going to talk about Bagley as Connor's been hinting at. I want to ask you both a question real quick. I almost tweeted it out, then I deleted it because I was like, I don't want people to get mad at me about saying this. I believe Tyrese Halliburton might be. I'm sorry, no, I'm just gonna say it. Tyrese Halliburton is the most important player on this current Kings team. I think he is 
the straw that stirs the drink. And without him, even if Fox is putting up 37, they struggle. Connor and Jill, starting with Connor, would you somewhat agree? Would you agree? Like, I'm starting to believe that Tyrese Halliburton is is the most important guy. I can understand it to a point because to me, he's more consistent than a number two buddy healed, right? Like if he's your number two guy, like, you know what you're getting consistently out of him. Like, I know he's not yet looked at at that star. I, I still need to see. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, years of it, but in the sense of he's our consistent number two. I mean, do you know what I mean? Like where if you Fox is going to be Fox, but no it's one else steps that, up. It's rare that Halliburton's gonna come in and put up like zeros right across the board. Like he will find ways to impact a game elsewhere, and that's one of the things you love about him. Um, we kind of saw this last year when he was out, right? Like there was some the team had struggles when everyone was healthy and it was just him. Um, this team struggled, and I think that might have started one of our you know kind of losing streaks. Um, okay. if I memory correctly, yeah. but yeah, I mean, but. Yeah, like he's showing his worth. Yes, I don't. Yeah, it's hard. I, at this point, it's hard for me to say more than Fox or not, just because of Fox's history. If you're getting old Fox, to me, he's your yes. most important player. Which is what I mean, most people would say. I like to be divisive and just throw grenades in the conversation. I, I was just going to say with it. Everybody, everybody tweeted Sam that he wants he wants the Kings to trade Fox. Like that's ridiculous. <laughs> yes. No, but I know, but that's a good point. I mean, I, the thing is, is like I need to see a few more games. If you're going to make that point, where Fox is out and see Halliburton have to close a game and create when he's got the best guard defender on him, because Fox is going to have the best defender on him, not Halliburton. I think that's a that's a factor there too. Okay, I, I didn't think about that. That's a good point. I, I just I, I think what if the Kings are going to go out and find people, which I'm sure they will. McNair is a guy that's always looking to upgrade this team in some way. It's you know this is easier said than done, but they got to be players like a Halliburton, the selfless players that are making sure things ebb and flow while guys like Fox and Heald and Barnes stuff the stat sheet. I, I I just think that's what we're that's that's why his impact is so much missing right now is because now you don't have that guy to kind of. I don't know. I don't know how to put it. Level things off. Make the team remember that it's not about you. It's about everybody. You know, we got to win together. He's also such a really good playmaker for everybody. Like for himself and everybody else. And so when you don't have that, you get a lot of standing. (laughs) Like, I mean, it's... So much standing. um, Like they're getting paid to stand. Like that's what's in their contract. Guys, go ahead and just stand here. They're killing it if that's part of their job description. Uh. And what's still crazy is the Kings are still a top offense in the league, like even doing what they do. Like that's what's so frustrating to, well, I wouldn't say frustrating, but it's like, you know, they can be better and it's still like, but to your point where it's a league wide, right? Like issue. I mean, it's. Yeah. We said it, the NBA seems to be throwing it back to like the eighties and nineties, slowing things down, having you need to earn your buckets earn getting to the line we're seeing more fights almost like perfectly in tune with that is now guys are starting to brawl each other i'm so here for that uh bear hugs i mean last night was just bear hugs yeah kevin fippen's tweet made me laugh he goes (laughs) it's such a french thing to just give a hug like that's what go bear did bring it here man it's like no Uh, you no yeah it was that was was lame but (laughs) at least there's some action happening all right bagley conversation i asked jill and uh connor that to try and think of who who we think Marvin well first off try and figure out if you can if you know something I don't 
what the fuck is happening? What is going on? Everyone played in this last game against the Spurs, except for Marvin Bagley. And we haven't touched on it, but he's refusing to go in games, apparently. That's according to Sean Cunningham. He had it a little bit of it on video where Luke was like, can you go in? And Marvin said no and sat back down. So we're going we're gonna to let the, the conversation that we all fear but also want to talk about at the same time, Bagley. Connor, what do we, what the, start, what, yeah. Like, I don't understand the, how the process, I don't think Luke is like, Hey, Marvin, like, would you mind if <laughs> you could check into this game? It's not like, like an inconvenience to you. Like, well, I just mean like, yeah. How does Mar, I mean, I, I, what is, how does this help Marvin? Like, what's his game here? Like, that's what I don't understand. Like, even like the Ben Simmons thing, which I don't want to get into, but like, I somewhat understand what he's doing, I guess. I don't think it's working necessarily, but like, I don't understand why, like how this helps Marvin and like why the reason he wouldn't go, like, I don't understand that. Well, and the Kings, I mean, this is a replica of the belly situation last year, right? Belly was pissed that he was going to be not in the rotation for Bagley because they wanted to right develop him and he was going to be the future. Um, and then, you know, we come to find out later in the season, like that all that had happened and he was kind of refusing things um, and asked to be traded and, and all that. And, no one on the team had an issue with it, right? Like it was, it was whatever. Um, so, I mean, seeing what happened the other night doesn't really surprise me in that same sense because there's a history there and yeah. the players didn't have an issue with it then. But when did we become, uh, oh my gosh, there's a truck that drove by, sorry. When did we become a thing where instead of um, going out there and busting ass and I'm going to prove you like to you why I should be out there with, with these minutes and make you look stupid. Right. Like to now just saying, Oh, F it. Like I'm going to, I'm just going to sit here and make my money. Like, I mean, I can understand you're frustrated, but you, you had your agent, you know, put out this whole, you know, hate list because you're not going to be in the rotation. And then when you're asked to go in, you don't even want to go out there to try and prove them wrong. Like, I, I, I don't know. Who do you blame more, Connor? Just, that just the frustrates Kings, me. Like, you Kings can have Bagley. issues, but you're also being paid to sit there and play whenever you're asked to. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't understand the whole situation. I, I don't want to talk about that piece of it. Like, I was thinking about it. Like, I really did a deep dive on, like, what is his trade value? And then also, what team would want to take a flyer on him? Like, there's a lot of teams that are trying to, like, get into this play-in situation there's not a lot of tank teams who might be like, hey, let's try this guy out. Or if they do, they already have projects to worry about. So, like, I don't even know his value because who would want to trade for him, even if it's something that's not – it's going to be an expiring deal, which I'm sure Jill's going to talk – like, Jill knows this stuff better than anybody. Like, he's ba- his value is that he's an expiring deal. But, like, if take that part out of it, like, what value is he going to bring to a team? What team is going to want to try and trade for him and maybe get his upside when they have guys at his position they want to invest in more? Right. And I think it was Sam Amick on um, James podcast with Sean was saying that he's still waking up as a thinking I'm a number two pick, not I'm a basketball player. Like to me, I thought that kind of spoke volumes where you've had to see guys adjust their mindset where again, it's everything is not given to you just because you were a number two pick. Like you still were three years, like over three years into this, like, you have to prove it still like everybody else. And I know it's frustrating that, you know, you're not in the rotation, but again, like they said, you asked for a trade in the off season. You didn't want to be here. 
these other guys want to be here and they're buying into whatever's, you know, being sold. So at, at some point, like, I'm curious, I'm curious, Sam Amick does, Amick does great work. I'm curious how he figured that out. How does he know what Marvin's thinking first time, first thing he does in the morning? Does he, did he text Marvin right as he woke up and like, Hey Marvin, what's on your mind? Tell me right now. That's some deep investigative journalism there by Sam. <laughs> I'm joking, of course. You guys, I think Jill thinks I'm being serious. Uh, I, mean, I just, I was I think, just like, wait, wait. the way that was worded, like he wakes up thinking I'm a number two pick. It's like, how does Sam, how does Sam know that? How does he know what's going on in Marvin's head? I don't think anybody, I don't think Marvin knows what's going on in Marvin's head right now. Um, but I understand what you're saying. He, he still hasn't checked his ego, which is blatant. Just, right? Well, and yeah. the rest of his team, like it's there's no one out there. It's saying, annoying. Like, dude, this is this is what we got to do, right? And I mean, no one, like I don't. You know, I feel bad for the kid, like, right? Like, we've said this multiple times, like, it's injuries suck. And this has happened to a lot of people, regardless if you're a number two player or not. I mean, people have been out of the league, back in the league. Like, I mean, it's, he's not the lone, you know, player that is. is. Yeah. Yeah. What was I mean, me, look Marvin at Josh Jackson. Jackson. Like, I mean, who was what, a number four pick? Three. He was straight up cut and booted out and had to work his way back through the G League and is now on a Detroit team, but buying in and getting minutes now. Like his, you know, his road was not easy either. Taking ahead of De'Aaron Fox. Right. Um, And yeah. And at the end of the day, like we're talking as fans, they're talking as players and front office is looking at salaries, right? Money. I mean, that it, you know, I mean, they, they have to look at a whole different piece than of the things that, that we look at. And so just cutting a guy is not, you know what I mean? Who's on expiring is not smart either when it can be packaged. Look, you had Randolph who didn't play almost for a whole year and a Justin Jackson, and you had a team in Dallas who wanted to cut salary and you got a Harrison Barnes. Like, I mean, that there are teams out there who, you know, whether it ends up happening or not, but I see the justification for holding on to things because other teams might want to start cutting stuff back or swapping young guys. Like there's opportunity out there. So just sending them, sending them packing, you know, as a, as a cutting them, you don't get that money back. So, I mean, it's, to me, it does you no good. If, if he's not causing a huge issue, which clearly by as coaching and players are saying, they don't care. So, do you why think should, this happens more than we care? realize, Jill? Like, do you think oh, the players yeah. ask? Okay, yeah, okay. I mean, and you saw it. Well, and usually it's it Behind said the scenes, it's yeah. kind of like told by me. Where last year you had Cleveland, where Drummond played the first you know couple weeks of the season for maybe the first quarter, and then it was okay. We're clearly decided. You know, we're tanking. Like we're done. They made the mutual decision of he was going to sit for the rest of the, the rest of the games until the trade deadline to see if they could find a trade for him. Right. He had a big salary. They ended up having to eat it and they, you know, well, worked a buyout John or Wall whatever. Right and then, yeah. yeah. And then, and then he ended up, um, you know, getting signed for the Lakers and then, you know, now for the Sixers, but yeah, I mean, John Wall. Yeah. Who's sitting and they're telling him, Oh, you're probably not going to play because no one wants that contract. And that's John Wall. I mean, that's 40 million a year. Wait, I guess yeah. I, I was asking, do you think players say that they don't want to go into games more than we realize? Um, I think you've, we, you've seen fights regarding that on the bench of, of things. So yeah. Okay. I mean, it happened again, like it happened last year and we didn't know about it until it was right. reported. 
It, I so, just one of those um, things we probably don't know yeah. half of it. It just happened to be caught on, on yeah, camera. And, and I think it's usually more so where it's. I think that in this instance, it might be different to where there might already be more communication of like, you're out of the rotation. We're working on a trade. It's in everybody's best interest if we're not putting you out there so you don't get injured. And you know what I mean? Like, so that hopefully sure. that can, can be worked upon because I mean, I, that's honestly what I thought went on. Like, that's what I thought the deal was of why he wasn't going in is that that was our issue last year is we had some people interested, but you got hurt. They didn't want the extra money of that year with you sitting on the bench for the rest of the year. Right. Um, and so we're now hearing that Detroit's possibly interested again because he's healthy and there's only the one year left, right. That they would be paying not two years. So um, I don't know if it's as much as like, where you're telling someone who's, you know, hasn't had that conversation that they won't go in, but I want to say I've, I've heard it before and it usually causes some scuffles, which is why I think people were surprised that you were getting the bat, you know, the back, you know, hats or whatever. But I also think these players know each other and they know what they have to do to each other mentally to stay up in a situation or didn't want to escalate a situation. Right. And maybe had conversations in the locker room that we're not privy to. That wouldn't surprise me either. Cause these guys, as we know, these players are not confrontational. Like we've said that about our guys for a long time. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not surprised that they wouldn't have confronted them in front of everybody like that. You know, that, that would only make things worse. Uh, you're putting right gasoline right. on the fire. You would ask hundred percent. So Connor, you you did some dirty work. You did some deep diving, trying to figure out where uh, where Bagley would fit. I, I'm curious to hear where. Okay, so this is um, this is a straight up, well, not necessarily a straight up trade. Okay, uh, a couple a couple options. I basically look for teams that I'm like, okay, I could see they're not in a playoff hunt. Like maybe they'll be willing to take a flyer. Um, and then I also tried to find fit for the Kings, and we talked about the fit uh, earlier of what the position I'm kind of looking for, which is like that three four swing man. Three uh, and D type guy. This is this is situations. Most of these are going to be Kings are going to have to throw something extra in. Sure. And again, this is them assuming um, that they are taking value of him in him as a player, not as an expiring. So the couple I came up with was, and this was I know this is probably not this one's the most unlikely of the group. Josh Hart from New Orleans, mm-hmm. Reggie Bullock from the Mavs. I think the Mavs are kind of in a weird spot right now. Um, this one's definitely not going to happen, but we talked Detroit, maybe a Sadiq Bay, but again, the Kings would have to throw something else in there. Another For swing sure. guy, little more straight up guys. Daniel House from Houston, maybe they want an expiring, or maybe they're going to take a take a flyer. Um, and then a couple San Antonio guys, Doug McDermott. I know he's a little more expensive, has a couple years on his deal, I believe. And Zach Collins are the guys that I was looking at. Now, if like you want to talk, I, I think where the Kings might get a little more interest, and I really don't know because this is. It's so early on in this process, but um, at least this year, like, is it something where they couple them together with Buddy Heal and go for a big swing and they go after, I don't know, like a Pascal Siakam with a first rounder or a couple of first rounders? I don't know. I don't know. But I, I do think those are the guys I kind of looked at. And obviously salary matching. I made sure the salaries kind of at least got close um, on those as well. Right. Maybe. I, oh, I had one more. This is kind of interesting, but it's, I don't know if this will happen. Bagley in a first, maybe for like a Jonathan Isaac type, or maybe I have to throw ooh, more than that. He's been injured. Get the anti maxer to vast vaxer to. Yeah. Uh, and I would almost be more interested in Mobamba. Um, oh, yeah. And they have, that was the same draft 
Um, right. Just being that, you know, you have Isaac back and, but they're playing two centers right now um, with uh, Wendell Carter Jr. And, and Mo Bamba, but that's, if they, they do don't want to pay while. him, he's actually showing stuff this season, which is, um, which is nice. But Orlando is a, is, is a good one. Yeah. I like Orlando, but it's, it's, they have a lot of big men. So yeah, there'd obviously need to be an exchange of big men. Now you're just trading Bagley for another big guy. Well, that, that would be an expiring probably. to me. Like if they don't want to pay, like if they don't want to pay bomb or like, or they just paid Isaac, right? Like if they want to get yeah. rid of that and then you're taking back an expiring, like that could. I, I think the most realistic, and you, you said it, Connor, most realistic teams are obviously the ones at the bottom and the two teams that scream like, yeah, we'll buy, we'll take that potential. We'll, we'll do it. Why not? Are Houston, who obviously their general manager has a direct connection to our general manager, and then Detroit. And Detroit apparently already is expressing some interest because he's healthy and they 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 definitely need like some young, talented big men for sure on Detroit's roster. And uh, they're in think... complete rebuild. They're right? in complete like, rebuild. I mean, Kelly Olynyk. So they have nothing to lose. They're not trying yeah. to win now, so they can throw them out there and. If Kelly Olynyk is playing happens. thirty minutes a game for you, you're obviously not trying to win. So, and now he's hurt, like, and you don't even he? have a Linux now. Damn. Like, he's out six to eight weeks. And so I was going to say for Detroit, I would like to see them go after Grant um, mm, or or that. even Olenek because, yes, they're not young, but in addition to Bay, but those are guys that you could use if you're really trying to win now and those contracts aren't necessarily going to hurt you, but fill stretch positions and length of need. Well, Detroit's going to have to kind of re-change their timeline, right? With, I mean, they're they're obviously not good, but Grant is kind of on a further. He's a little bit older, a little more, yep. uh, you know, he's been a been in the NBA a little bit while, so maybe he's a trade guy they can get picks for, and maybe it is a a Bagley and a and a Buddy, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Please, <laughs> please. No, not even that. I just mean I I think the contract. I mean, if I you could steal a Bay and a Grant for a Buddy and a Bagley, I mean, and a pick, That's... like you would take that. Um, yeah. I mean, pipe dreams, but like, that's yeah. the kind of stuff with those positions. Yes. That, um, pray on the teams that are, you know, really, there's, I mean, the there's not many teams though, that are in that position. That's why it was so hard to yeah. find guys. And like, I Houston, couldn't even I really... look at Christian Wood too. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, true. I know like he did the, the whole tweet of I'm in Houston, like through the good and the bad or whatever, because there was well, drama. Of, he like, wants to have value. Um, well, but I mean, he signed there thinking that Harden was going to be there. And now, you know, yes, he's making his money, but he was thrown into a completely different situation than what he thought he was signing into in free agency. So um, what was your thought, Connor? You were going to, you had something yeah. there for a second. Oh, I, maybe I did. I don't know. I, I think Jill's right on, but I, is there any chance that they just wait on Bagley until they have a star disgruntled, not maybe not star, fringe star, Kings type target star, maybe even Jerry and Grant's the type that we're talking about. And they wait and they use the expiring of what it's Tristan and Bagley and maybe like a buddy that gets them way up there. Um, and if they're trying to win now, right, they're probably going to have around a 12, 13, 14, 15, that mid first round pick area. Anyway, they're not going to tank. Right. We know what that we know what their first rounder is probably going to look like. Maybe they use that as a, as a trade value, too. And maybe they get somebody who's good. I don't know. I mean, I keep throwing up Pascal Siakam and I don't exactly know. I like that, too. That. He's a little too expensive, but he has a long term deal, which is good for Kings, because that means he'll, I mean, theoretically, at least they have him under contract. Yeah, you have I no choice. Think, if you're the Kings, like it's just tough to trade for a guy with one or two years left when you're going to want to resign sure. them because the odds are they're gone. 
I, uh, I, the only trade that I wrote down that I, I liked, um, and I guess that I even spent time to think about was Bagley, Woodard, or something like Ramsey, and a second round pick for Christian Wood. Give, give, give me Christian Wood, send Bagley to a team that'll let him play a ton, throw in one of these other guys that you clearly don't care to really play right now, which Woodard is like the top guy that you just seemingly don't really want to play, or he's not 100%, like Jill had said. Yeah, it, just in these situations, you have a disgruntled player who has a lot of upside, who's 22 years old on an expiring deal, it makes perfect sense to, have to say it like this, prey on the bad, the really bad teams that feel desperate enough to do it. So New well, Orleans, yeah. who could be in, in, accepting a new general, or taking having a new general manager here soon if David Griffin gets fired, probably will be. They're 1-11. He seems like a total asshole. And then Detroit and Houston, those are the three teams I keep going back to that Even like, or Toronto. Brandon Ingram, guys. if, if, Pelicans Whoa, really blow it up. I would be yeah. targeting that with Buddy Bagley. Like I would be, yeah, um, going after that. But yeah, Barnes I mean, and, and realistically, the best situation I think for Bagley development-wise would be to getting the, yeah. the the minutes that he could get on one of these teams. He would have. He was gonna get those minutes with us the last three years. It's just unfortunately the injuries took that away. And the Kings are in a 15-year drought with guys whose position, you know, positions in the in the organization are hot. So it's, I mean, it's just kind of an unfortunate situation um all around. And I hope wherever he goes, he succeeds. He totally finds the, yes. you know, um, because I, I don't ever wish for anyone to not to not succeed. And I know he can't control injuries. At the end of the day, like, there is a scenario where this could have worked out. And unfortunately, it just did not. Let's end this with making a prediction. Um, don't overthink it. Just just make a, make a random prediction or calculate a prediction as to where you think Marvin will end up. Connor. Where, where will Marvin Bagley be playing basketball either at the end of this year or the start of next year? Oh, I mean, start of next year, that's a completely different conversation. Oh, it's true. Yeah, so if he's so, traded, where, where do you think he goes? It's still so early. I know, but it's – I just hypotheticals, guys. We're playing games here. We're not. I'm not asking you to be right. I hope Marvin Bagley, like – There you go. Word it like that. I, I really hope he plays – like, finds a spot where he can, like, play well and become a real contributor in this league, like – so I, I'm hoping, like, I mean, I don't know, Detroit, I guess. Yeah. Like they've shown interest a couple different times. That's probably the best chance for them um, with Cade and, and uh, Kelly. That would be fun Hayes. to watch. Yeah, I mean, that's maybe a, an opportunity there. I mean, Houston, maybe. Um, those are, like, the main – I mean, I don't think yeah. Orlando would trade for them. So no. they, have, they have a lot of young players. Yeah. The other one I'll still throw out is Charlotte just because he kind of fits their style run style of play. And they're in the same kind of situation with some of their younger guys that I think if you could, um, they could even package two, you know, two people to, to match that salary and, and make it work. So I think that could be a dark horse just based on fit for both teams. Um, but yeah, I would, I'm not going to put one team. I will say Detroit, Houston, Pelicans, or Charlotte. Those are okay. my four. You guys are acting like I'm going to come back and just rub it in your face if you're wrong. I'm just going to say that he's going to go to Detroit. I'm going to say that. I'm going to put it out there. I think Detroit makes a lot of sense. I think him and Cade would play well off of each other. Uh, and that's a team that would be willing to take the flyer. And yeah, you throw Marvin in a draft pick for Jeremy Grant, who does not fit the team arc of the Detroit Pistons. 
I think both teams would be willing to do that. Uh, Troy, Troy Weaver, the general manager for the Pistons, traded away, uh, I'm not going to be able to say his name, Sequoia Demboya, or however you say, a really, really talented, high upside wing player for I, DeAndre Jordan. And then just released, it was, a, it was like one of those trades where I'm like, what's happening here? Why did he do that? Hey, hang on. Grant averaged 25 a game last year. Did he not? I understand. He's got I, yeah. a little more value than that. Okay, fair enough. You might have to throw someone else in there. That's fine. But my point is I don't think they feel any reservations to keep him. Obviously, they're not going to be like no, this our guy. He's, he's, like, he's like Corey Joseph where they're vets to keep things going, right? To keep things <laughs> right. moving. That's an insult that, to Jeremy Grant, but being. yes. But no, it's true. He was one. Of, but you, if you're going to bring in these young draft picks, you need vets that yeah. – are going to keep you in keep line, order, right? You need, yeah. if you want to develop Cade, you can't have it be a free for all of just five rookies out there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you need, and Jeremy, he, has, he, he said he Lyles. wanted the money. He wanted the money in the minutes. He's perfectly fine. Like <laughs> he, he's made that known like that. He's, he's, he's perfectly happy with the situation. Yeah. So we could, I mean, shit, you could talk about Marvin Bagley for days on end in Sacramento. And we do, uh, and we're all slowly, some of us getting more and more upset, uh, understandably, when things like not wanting to go into a basketball game, you know, come out to the media. Uh, but we, I, I, we're all in unison. We wish Marvin the best. And I just hope it's quick. We can just get this over with. Like, I'm so tired of it. I've just said that to Jill. Like, I'm so tired of this shit hanging over the team. Just get the kid out or don't put him on the bench because now yeah. he's just there for no reason. Well, and it's just what stupid. sucks is. If you're if you're waiting for Detroit, you you're gonna have to wait till December probably because you have to wait for that for if cool. depending on who's involved. Just for people out there, um, tell I think Marvin it's like to go home. December, it's like the 14th or the 15th, right? Yeah. Um, of yep. December that when guys who sign contracts this last one are right. eligible to be moved again. So just be aware um, of you know anyone listening that those kind of deadlines are out there and sometimes your hands are tied um, until then. And you know what? Watch the Kings, like, watch it be surprising and him that him end up getting run at some point. Who the hell knows? Like, I mean, it's impossible to predict at this time. <laughs> yeah. I'm like of the mindset, like, you know what, Marvin, you can stay home. We're going to go ahead and give Robert Woodard your seat on the bench. You can just chill out, make your meals, uh, living the great life. You know, he doesn't work and he gets paid a million dollars. That is the key to success. He figured it out. So congrats to Marvin Bagley. We are going to get to the game tonight, though, because I do want to touch on this real quick before we end with a, uh, a Jill's water cooler. Uh, Kings are in Oklahoma City. They play at 5 o'clock our time. Uh, the Thunder are in a little bit of a roll. While the Kings have lost three straight, the Thunder have won three straight. And they're starting to find their little mojo and their confidence in this very young team they are. And I've said it a couple times. They are the NBA's youngest team. The average age is like 22. It would be even younger if it wasn't for Mike Muscala and Derek Favors, who are 30. They're the oldest players on the team, those two guys. They're two centers are 30 years old. Everyone else is like a rookie, a second-year player. They got a lot of upside on this team. I'm actually afraid of this team, truthfully. It seems like a game for the Kings to lose if they don't play with some effort because this team will run you literally off the court. Um, and they also have a budding superstar in Shea Gilgis-Alexander who's averaging 23-5-5, and five, almost Tyreek Evans' rookie year stat line. Actually, that's better because Tyreek was 25-5, and five, I believe. So this is a highly talented but just – a super team, but young Oklahoma City Thunder. Now, I know Connor's shaking his head. I, I, I like what this team is is forming into. Connor, what are what what are the Kings got to do to get a win today and end this losing streak? All right, well, hang on. You know, I'm big into like betting lines and all that kind of stuff. Yes. Uh, Kings Dangerous are favored by games. favored by four as of last night. I didn't check today. 
Um, but I would imagine it's about the same on the road, even though the Kings have lost three straight thunder have won three straight. I mean, I think it just comes down to like slowing down SGA Josh Giddy, by the way, really enjoyed watching him play. Yeah. Um, really good playmaker and rebounder. He's averaging like 11, six and six. Um, so I think he's a good draft pick other than that though. I mean, this is a really raw team. They have a lot of young players. Um, Lou Dort. I mean, he'll be in the starting lineup. Dortcher chamber. Sorry. Yeah. I, just always, that Poku, was like I think Poku's played really bad this year. He was like NBA's NBA Twitter's like favorite player last year. And like yeah. this year he hasn't been playing very well. Um, they score under hundred points a game so far this year. So I think uh, if the Kings just play, up to where they can, I think they'll be fine. And but that's the thing is, will they? Um, I think you know they had a, a day off or what? I think a day off in between the San Antonio. Is it two, one, or two? I keep forgetting. One day. One day. So I mean, a rest day. Um, I think this is a good opportunity to kind of start reset. As I said in the beginning of the episode, start stacking wins um, against this Thunder team. Who, who's you know, no nobody's a slouch in this Western Conference. Like anybody can beat anybody any given night. Any given night. So they have to be. They have to come. And they have to bring it. And they, I think. What they didn't do against San Antonio is they started slow and it killed them. So they have to kind of fix that tonight. And the Spurs just never let up to, to the Spurs credit in that game. The Kings started making their shots uh, and the Spurs just didn't stop making their shots. That's obviously a recipe for disaster. You're trying to play catch up, but the other team's keeping you full arm's length away. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm, I'm admittedly more high on the Thunder than probably anyone outside of Oklahoma City. I just see where this team is going. Not this year, of course, but in years to come, I have full trust in Sam Presti and whatever his vision is, which it seems to be collect every draft pick and draft every eligible player that's possible. And uh, Poku, you made a good point. I will never try. Jill, do you know how to say his name? Pokashevsky. Pokash. What's his first name again? I don't know. Okay. You got half of it. I'll give you that. (laughs) Alexi? Isn't it Alexi? Oh, well, that's easy. That's the easier one. Pokashevsky. Yeah, I I was uh, on that NBA Twitter rave where I was like, I don't even know who this guy is. I'm never going to watch a Thunder game. But yeah, I'm all about it. Uh, and but Lou Dort's awesome. I mean, I love watching Lou Dort play. They have a talented young center. Uh, I think it's Jeremiah Robinson Earl, who no one would know about, but he's a big like he reminds me of like a Chuck Hayes. Josh Giddy gives if me. If you're a draft, if you're draft Twitter, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. And then Josh Giddy, just because I love to compare everyone to Kings players, of course, it's a Kings podcast. Josh Giddy's giving me total J Will vibes. The way he is just always pass first. The passes are always like a little extra for no reason. He's got eyes in every part of his head. There you go. The exactly. Like and he's got swagger. Yeah. Stanford mm-hmm. ladies, beware. Here comes and Josh length, Giddy. Like he's tall. Like, I mean, so yeah, it, it helps. Yeah, I'm a fan of him. And they still have Derek Favors um, who can cause a little bit of problems in the low block. They should definitely dominate down low. Uh, but we said that against the Spurs too. And they proceeded to not do anything in the paint which was infuriating because yeah. that was where they had the upper hand. So is Connor, you're saying playing again, do you know? I think, so. yeah, I think so. I don't think he's hurt. Cause there was, there was talk at the beginning if they were going to kind of treat him as a, one of those. Oh yeah. They might. Trade. But they then I did that. see him play at one point. So I didn't know if he was only playing maybe because of other injuries, but I just honestly wasn't sure if he was actually back. They might, they um, might not play him tonight. And then uh, I'm forgetting one guy just got to say him, uh, Darius Baisley. One of those like U.S. international guys, right? Like he didn't actually go to college. They just they snagged him when he was like 19, and he's now getting a lot of minutes. He's playing power forward for him. He's a talent. I just think Kings fans are going to learn a lot about the Thunder tonight that they probably had no idea about. So Connor, we're just going to say a W tonight, though. You're feeling that? Uh, well, I uh, yes, but um, they also are around or just under 30 percent a game from three. I wanted to mention that. Yeah. However, take that with a grain of salt because, like I said. 
three-point shooting around the league is down early on this year. Yeah, and the Spurs were not a good three-point shooting team, and they made 18 of them. And it so, just takes one night to get hot. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And the Kings seem like uh, the perfect team. Like, if you're struggling, yeah. come play the Sacramento Kings. Yeah. We'll get you back um, on track. But we also did not talk about the Thunder as a possible trade destination either, and they have they have uh, a Favors and a Baisley contract that would match. Um, I would match love Bagley, Darius Baisley. So I'm, I'm throwing it out there. Yep. Um, so just throwing it out there, they have, you know, the um, – you know, some uh, throwaway contracts as well. In addition to young players, if you wanted to swap young players, that's another, um, because I mean, OKC is collecting and they could, I mean, that's kind they of a perfect guy are. to take a shot on, right? Too. Cause it's not like they don't have the picks if it doesn't work out. Um, and, and he would, he would get the minutes and you could match Jeremiah Robinson, Earl, Jerry, and, you know, Bagley in your rotation um, switches. Because behind them, they have uh, Mike Muscala, right? They have Derek Legend. Favors. Um, Derek Favors. And then uh, um, Poku. But yeah, like they don't have, um, you know, like set, like yeah. kind of big men, at least minus JRE. Like they're fluctuating on their on their bigs. So um, that could be a team that, that takes uh, a shot. You, you contain the, the simple key to beating the Thunder, though, because Connor is pointing out they're statistically not good in any category, really. Scoring, defense, really anything. But they play um, hard. Yeah. But and they have SGA. And SGA is, That's what I was SGA is very good. <laughs> it's scary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You beat the Thunder as you stop Gilgis yeah. Alexander. That's it, It's simple, but also not because you could, you know, be manned up on him and he'll pull up from the logo. And nail. did you see that shot, Connor, that he hit against the Lakers that iced the game? I did see it. Uh, and the I, coach was just shaking his head. Like he did not, he had he wanted none of it, even though he made it. But yeah, did the he coach is nightmare. Shrug? No, he, he was like, Gilgis Alexander was up and down. He should have. That would have been perfectly timed. Uh, but yeah, I don't also know how to say. No one, we could do a poll and be like, name the Oklahoma City Thunder head coach. What is his name? Two out of 10 people might know that. Do you know the Thunder's name, Connor? Thunder coach's name? No, I don't. That's <laughs> yeah. really bad. Yeah, I'm still. Ta- I, I still want to talk more about Wes Unseld. No, don't get we, that. We need a whole other podcast to do that. Yeah. A, a whole other episode. Well, already... and and the Thunder's Damn it. the Thunder's coach's last name is a is an is a tongue twister too. It is. His name's Mark. I know his first name's so, Mark. Yeah. Um, I probably should figure that out. But anyway, Connor, any it's other like last Dinault or something like that? Yeah. Like it's a, it looks French, so I I mean Ooh. I'd probably pronounce it wrong, but yeah. Any final thoughts, Connor, before we take it away to Jill for the. Friday no. water cooler. This is what I've been waiting for this whole episode. Is, okay. Is Sorry to wait. This has been an hour of five minutes that we could have just got right to the good stuff. Jill, go ahead. Okay. Okay. So you know how we always hear about, um, you know, the nightlife um, in certain cities, you know, and you're never really sure, like, is it based on fact, you know, like have there things that have happened previously, like in Miami or Atlanta of like, Oh, watch out when, you know, teams are playing there. You get that kind of nightlife. Um, right. What do they say? Slow down type thing. Well, when it comes to Atlanta, you know, and I know people talk about like, you know, cause uh, Lou Williams was doing the whole, like, was it magic city wings or something like that? So it's a well, club town, Atlanta back, you know, 10 years ago or so, if not even longer than that. Um, sorry. Well, this was actually during the, okay, this is way longer. So nineties and early 2000s. So 20 years ago um, and more, there was a club called the gold club in Atlanta. 
It was a hotspot for athletes, celebrities, and high rollers that also featured a bunch of goofy anecdotes during the 90s and early 2000s. Basically, several pro athletes were given sexual favors by strippers for free at clubs, including Patrick Ewing, Larry Johnson, John Starks, Reggie Miller, and Dennis Rodman. So, there was ended up being a big gold club trial where the owner- Is this owned by Robert Sarver? <laughs> That's what I was going to bring it back to, right? Oh, um, during the trial of uh, gold club owner Steve Kaplan on racketeering, among other charges- it was revealed that dancers were given as much as one thousand apiece for putting on X-rated shows and performing certain acts for certain athletes. So this was extremely embarrassing for the NBA and its and its athletes, several of whom were stars. Um, the owner of the club ended up being found guilty and sentenced to three years of prison, and the Gold Club ended up closing down in two thousand seven. But I thought this was interesting. Because when, if you read the whole Sarver thing, they were talking about how when they were trying to bring in LaMarcus Aldridge, that he was, like, telling them to, that he needed to, like, someone get, like, uh, say it, say it, have, a, have a baby, like, uh, get a baby mama, um, so that he is, like, forced to sign here so we can, like, see the kid. I mean, it was totally ridiculous, but back in the 90s and 2000s, like these kind of places existed so it made me wonder hmm did any of these things go on in atlanta miami like these other cities obviously we wouldn't know about it unless um things came out but there are reasons behind you know scandals in these cities having that um you know uh reputation repu yes reputation so <laughs> And, and with you, star players. <laughs> yes. The fact that you knew yeah. where that was going, Connor, I just, that was immediately, I was like, sounds like Robert Sarver's, Sarver's, Sarver's like paradise. I feel like I ruined the, the butt of the joke, so I apologize. Nope. <laughs> you were good. No, it was fun. Right. I was, was happy funny. someone understood it because I was going to tie it back to that, like, well, um, but it was called the Gold Club Scandal. Yeah. All right. So I have this, Jill, that was fantastic. This is yes. way better. Thank I, you, Jill. I will say that because I was coming on, I was like, I got to find something that is similar oh. to a Jill's water cooler. Now this is nothing in comparison to that, but I also tie <laughs> yeah. it to a little home. Don't forget that. It's, you're, it's you're nobody here, place. Connor. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Well, I don't, first, how'd you find that? I have no idea. Cause I did some research <laughs> last night and like, I couldn't find anything very good. The only thing I found, this is a Michael Jordan story um, about him bullying Bill Cartwright. And why I thought this was important is because Bill Cartwright went to my high school, Elk Grove high school, shout out thundering herd. The, uh, the worst, uh, probably the worst mascot in, in high school sports around the area. Um, basically, uh, after Bill Cartwright was traded for Charles Oakley, he was hazed by Jordan, Cartwright was. Uh, he would throw passes intentionally, missing his hands, would trash talk him and play and be a jerk to him, and he called him Medical Bill. <laughs> Why? That was his starting center on championship teams. <laughs> called him Medical Bill. Because implying he was injury prone and purposely okay. threw him passes that were impossible to handle. <laughs> Jordan was ruthless. Carter. Yeah. He did this with another teammate, though, too, as part of the um, the Last Dance documentary. I forget the teammate's name. Who Jordan would try to haze him when he got on the team. This was like Jordan's thing. But the guy was so nice and like just a great dude. That Jordan just gave up because he was like, damn it, I like you too much, man. Like, I can't even – and it, the guy, to his credit, I, again, I don't remember the player's name, 
he didn't let it bother him. He just, he, I, I would imagine he took it as a compliment that Jordan was even giving him attention. Uh, and then it just, it totally backfired on Michael Jordan. Cause he was like, this guy's way too cool. I'm like, I, I have nothing more to say. Bill Cartwright apparently was prime target though. It's the same strategy that that guy from Cowbell Kingdom uses with local podcasts. Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't you might need to cut that. Oof. No, we're going to, I'm going to somehow, I'm going to start with that. That'll just be the opening. <laughs> just totally out of context. That was mean. I'm sorry. And welcome inside. No, I mean, the guy deserves it. Um, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I'm not going to say anything else. I like this podcast. Uh, okay. So Jill and Connor with a little water cooler action on this Friday. That's just a little double dip, a little double dose for everybody at home. That's great. Connor. Yeah. Uh, nothing compared to Jill's, but I appreciate the effort. <laughs> I get- it was, I had no chance. Jill's Jill's kills it every time. Um, it's my favorite segment. I just, uh, I don't know. I got, and then I started deep diving and I don't like, that's why I was trying to figure out. I was like, how does Jill find these stories? I don't even ask. I've told her I'm not even going to ask. I don't want to know. I like the mystery. <laughs> uh, did you hear about the one though? We got, we got to wrap this up, but did you hear about, did you listen to one about like the original like, days of basketball and that it was just like an octagon, like an all out fight. Did you listen to that uh, episode? I did. And I, I have many thoughts, but we're already too far into this. Podcast. Yeah. <laughs> it's, just tell me, would you watch basketball if it was like that still? I would probably be a different kind of fan. <laughs> uh, it would definitely be entertaining. Yeah. It reminded me kind of like Slam Ball. Remember when Slam Ball was a thing like yes. 15 years ago? Yeah. Not, not in the same yeah. way, but like a different take on basketball. I just took it as like the ultimate level of street basketball where it's like there, the only rule is there are no rules. Yeah. And I'm just you sad might that die there's here. no video of it because I would love to see how they like stacked players on top of each other to try and get like the ball from the balcony yeah. area and like. There's got to be a All photo somewhere. Like, the way they described it, like, yeah. Well, I think it looks it like before, one of those movies. Before those movies possible, that turns yeah. into like a Hunger Games or Maze Runner type movie. That's like that's how it starts. Yeah. No, it's <laughs> it's definitely Hunger Games. Hunger Squid Games. Squid Games too. I haven't watched it yet. Gotta watch it. Uh, everyone's talking about it. All right, that's gonna do it for us on this Friday episode of the Hoopball Podcast. Thank you to Connor Sutton. Go listen to his uh, Breakaway Podcast about the Sac Republic and just follow the Sac Republic. Give them all the love. Uh, the, the team is, uh, changing a lot of things now, apparently. So there's, there's a lot of topics to listen to. And I know Connor's always got something to say. And, uh, Jill, that for, for me to say that totally, yeah, ironic. Um, Jill, thank you as always. And then I got to end on this team USA versus Mexico tonight in uh, us men's soccer. Let's go get that W. We need that boys. We need that for world cup qualifying huge game. I'm, I'm stoked. All right. You guys have a great weekend. Slater dudes. Thank you guys.